All right. So Melvin Phillips, I am so happy to have you back on. And you were just at a conference. Is that right? Because we're going to do something way darker today, but you very mercifully let me go on to something way easier for me to hang with today. So yes, we're going to talk on? about pleasure and something more fun. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about sexy today. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I could deal with sexy today. <laughs> That'll work for me. We'll, we'll do that together. Yeah, right, let's we'll do a quick introduction that. for you because some people might not have been listening for a long time. So okay. let everyone know All who right. you are and what you're up to. Um, my name is Dr. Melvin Lee Phillips Jr. I am a sex therapist out of Washington, D.C. And I'm working on my first book, Sex and Love When You Are Sick, which is in the proposal stages. It's going very well. And I specialize in treating uh, chronic illness, chronic pain, and sexuality issues of concerns and disabilities. And I am very excited to be back on Invisible Not Broken. Monica and I decided that we were going to try to do a once a month thing for our listeners. And this is great. And sex is a big part of people's identity. And we want to really talk about how we can still function sexually and have a chronic illness, uh, chronic pain due to a chronic illness. And yeah, you know, things have been going really well with me. I just got back from the National Sexual Health Conference in Chicago, and I did a talk on reclaiming sexuality for couples with chronic illness. It went very, very well. A lot of great people in the sexuality world were there. Everything from, you know, infectious disease doctors to nurses to public health people and to other sexologists and therapists. So. The talk went really well. I had a lot of big people that are in the field come to my talk, which was amazing. Um, one of them was um, the author of the book, Come As You Are, which is a book about female sexuality, Emily Nagowski. There's an- uh, If you do not book. follow Emily Nagowski, please go on to Instagram and follow <laughs> Emily. She's awesome. That's like one of the things I always look for in my feed. It's fantastic. Yes, she was at my talk and it was just great to have her there and just great people and to be able to share a topic that does not get talked about enough. And so, you know, there's a lot of gaps in the research right now that show that, yes, there are articles and books out there on how to treat chronic pain and chronic illness, but we're not finding a lot of research out there on what's going on in the relationship between two people that have a chronic illness with sexual issues of concern. And so that's really what my book is about. But people who are also single will benefit from the book as well, because it's going to talk about, you know, sexuality issues of concern and everything that you can do to be sexual when you're single. And that's what I'm going to kind of touch on today. So I really want to take the energy from the conference and be able to come onto the podcast and Man, I'm so glad one of us has energy. I will just like defer over to you. Go on with your good energy. I will off. curl up over here in a ball and listen. Yeah, okay. We can we can do that today. I'm just really happy to be back on here and to really work with you again. And the thing that I really took, I think, from this, you know, conference and what I'm gaining from my work is that it's really important to find out what works instead of focusing on what does not work. And I think that's a positive approach. And I think that can really increase pleasure. So what are some of the things you found that could work? Like when you're, like conferences are awesome for getting a ton of yeah. new ideas. Like what, yeah. what like yeah. sparked up your imagination? You're like, oh my God, I didn't even think of that, but that would totally work well, out. Well, the one thing that, that really, really sticks out to me when it comes to talking about sexuality and chronic pain is that you really 
have to really, I think, when you have crushing fatigue and chronic pain, I think sex is one of the first parts of your life that fall to the wayside. And I think what I'm learning is that it does not need to. You can still be very sexual and have a chronic illness and have a chronic pain condition. And that penetrative sex is one form of sex. Mm. And I think we live in this culture still where people are always talking about orgasms and penetration. And if that's what the couple wants to do, that's great. But I think what we really do find is that sometimes that just does not always happen. We have to adjust sexually to other things. That's such an important point. I love that because like visually, like what we're shown over and over and may I just say over one more time again on even network TV. And then if you look into any of the, the pornography, usually the first thing you'll find is that penetrative like idea. That's all that sex is. That's what what underlying yes. sex equals. So I love that you're talking about something yeah. very different. Can yeah. you like without getting too into the weeds where we end up like getting kicked off of whatever people are listening to us on, can you go a little bit into like what that could look like? Well, I think, you know, um, another thing to, to do is that there yet sex, it's another thing to do rather than to experience to enjoy. I think we need to enjoy sex. and But there is a good reason to find your way back into passion. I think mm. a lot of people that have chronic pain, it really consumes you, right? So it's like you don't become very sexual anymore. And so not only does physical intimacy help you feel less alone, the research does show that a good orgasm can also ease your pain. Yes, by 30%. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that statistic. I brought that statistic over to my husband. I'm like, look. Yes, it's like, look at this. But there's been real evidence that endorphins released from orgasms can actually alleviate symptoms of pain and help manage chronic pain in general. And this is because endorphins, they block pain while enhancing parts of your brain that are responsible for pleasure, which I think is totally cool, you know? I want to just underline something really quickly because I think that some people in relationships where sexual desire is different on one side of the couple than the other, a lot of times there's like a guilt thing of like, look, this would help me, look, this would make me feel better. And it's like, so both partners need to be committed to what you just said, orgasms or pleasure or joy in that sexual relationship. So you can't just go to someone and go, hey, make me feel better. Like it's important for everyone to be concerned and interested in the other person's pleasure and comfort level. So I love that, you know, you're really bringing up that idea of like, not just the end goal, like connection. Yeah, it's not the end goal, what it is. And you know, this is with couples that don't have chronic pain and illness, but I think for couples that do struggle with chronic illness, it's critical. It's about communicating what your needs are and pleasure is the measure. That's one thing Mm -hmm. Emily Nagowski says. I mean, that's really what it is. It is just, what do you find pleasurable? What do you not find pleasurable? So it's really, sex at its heart is about communication. So it doesn't have to be about penetrative sex. It doesn't have to be about reaching an orgasm. You know, it really is about that. So the science behind it, what I learned about, you know, oxytocin, you know, a bonding hormone that increases when we hug someone or when we have orgasms may also have pain killing effects. There was these researchers, researchers out of the University of Alabama at Birmingham that were doing, are doing some studies on that. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But I think what we have to look at is how do you get in the mood and stay there so you can reap those awesome feelings that you want and to address symptoms? I think that's the thing that we have to look at. And one of those things is optimizing your treatment plan with, you know, your 
and I know how we feel about some medical providers, but I what, mean, what, what, who, what? <laughs> Sorry, was that directed at I me? Know, I know that we've talked about that before, right? I'm just a li- um, I've only talked about it on every episode. I don't know what you're talking about. I know you about. have. I, I know. I know. And <laughs> Sorry. Yes. And so, no, no. And, 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 you know, and what's going on with medications? Are there side effects that make you feel less sexy? And what can you do to feel more sexy, right? Oh, that's, thank you for bringing that one up. I really appreciate you, like, pulling that one uh, out with the, the side effects can be anything from, like, gaseous to, like, really bad stomach problems to, like, mind-caused vomiting, which really hot sexiness yeah. there, like, yeah. nonstop vertigo vomiting. And there's also medications that can really change your sexual desire, your ability to even reach any sort of plateau because they just deaden everything. Exactly. And so that really becomes an issue in my office. We talk about desire and arousal and how medications can definitely affect that. And so I always recommend, you know, one of the things that I do in my office with a lot of my clients is we get that to-do list of what they, the questions they want to ask their doctor, because sometimes they're going into their provider. And I think I mentioned this before on the show, and they've got just a couple minutes. They don't have the time with their doctors like they have with me. And really getting that action plan together on the questions that they can ask their medical provider um, about medications and side effects. Because if we can tweak medications and you can have less side effects, hey, that's great. And that may help with being a little bit more sexual, too. I mean, because the last thing that we find is, is that when you are feeling bad, I mean, the last thing you do is, is feel desire. But if some, some symptoms can decrease... Maybe there's a little bit of room there for desire, right? And sex doesn't have to be spontaneous either. You can plan it with your partner. And it oh. doesn't have to feel like a chore. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that one, too. I know we have very different lifestyles, but when you have, like, an entire family that you're responsible for, planning it is not a bad idea. Like, it can be really helpful to have something to look forward to. And otherwise, it can just be another night of watching RuPaul's Drag Race reruns, which, yes, that's what happens in my house. I'm not kidding. This is, like, calls I'm like, wow, it's been, like, a while. What have we been doing? RuPaul, that's what we've been watching. Okay, we need to take the TV out of the bedroom now. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, no, I mean, exactly. So it's it's really trying to get to a place where you can plan it and really communicate your needs to your partner about that. And, you know, I think the first step is to maximize all your treatment options so your daily symptoms are well managed as possible. You know, we talk about that a lot in my office and talk to your your doctor, if you think your medication side effects are getting in the way of being sexy, if you've got a great relationship with your doctor, depending on who that provider is. Um, you know, so that's one thing that I really do cover quite a bit in my office with individual clients, but also with couples that come in. You know, especially I have like a, a lot of clients that have RA. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, the med- there's one medication that I think like almost all of them are on. It may be metatrexate, I think it's called. And it really causes a lot of stomach issues. And, you know, when you've got excruciating stomach pains, it's hard to, to do anything, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. you also don't want to let go of muscle control generally in those yes. moments either. And <laughs> yes. I hear you. And like when we talked to, you know, Kiros, my other co-host, you know, he has horrible, horrible stomach problems, especially if he gets anywhere near any things he has food allergies to. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked openly about that and, you know, with dating and with like being intimate yeah. with someone. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because when I have my single clients that come in with chronic illness, 
you know, we talk about dating and whether they should put it out there right away when they meet someone. You know, do I do I tell them on the first date that I've got something like lupus or RA or fibro or any other disease or do I wait? And I think that creates a lot of pressure when it comes to sex. Too. What's your viewpoint on that? Like, at what point do you think people should start like having that discussion? Well, really, you know, the one thing that I always do as a psychotherapist and a sex therapist is that I really put it on the client. I think one thing that we do is we just review it. And most of the time, they want to talk about it on the first date. They would rather get it over with. That way, if the person is like, you know, hey, you know, that's unfortunate, but I'm going to pass, which I think is completely fucked up. But I... You know, I mean, like, I, I guess I have a different viewpoint. I've, I've actually, like, been in a long-term relationship with someone I thought I was going to marry. He was like, you know what? I just can't. I, I can't do this with you. And I'm really actually, like, now, like, 20 years later, I'm able to go. I'm actually kind of grateful for that honesty because I was able to go and be free and find someone who was like, oh, okay, so you're a single mom who's disabled with a kid with a college degree that means nothing. That's great. I'll totally take you on. So, yeah. So it was all yeah, no, to, like, I agree with that, not too. Not have I think- someone who wasn't willing to hang with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think it can go both ways. I think that that can be pretty empowering because look what you have now, right? It's like, hey, that did me a service and I'm able to to find someone else. And, you know, and this may sound cheesy or whatever, but I really do feel like there is always someone out there for us. I really do believe that. And my clients find that. You know, I have no idea if that's true or not, because I don't want to discount the people who want to yeah. be single and who are not, like, who are like, exactly. hey, I'm asexual. I don't know. And that's yep. cheers to that, too. But what I will say is if you have a lot against you in the dating universe, it, it's actually easier, I found, to date. Like, my friends who are, like, absolutely ridiculously studying, have everything going for them, they have the most nightmarish relationship dating experiences. And my dating experiences was like someone going, oh, so you're a single mom and disabled. Yeah, no, I'm going to pass on that. And then like the two or three people are like, you know, you seem like a really sarcastic bitch and I enjoy that. They ended up being decent relationships and that was great. And like it was easier, I found, to just whittle the field down to people who actually gave a fuck. Like. Yes, I think that I think that's great when you can find someone who can be that way, you know, and, you know, a lot of my clients are single that I do see and we process that and they come in here and they talk about their dates that they're having and the good dates and the bad dates. But what I love about working with people that have pain and illness is that just their resiliency, you know, they come in here and what I love it, I love it, I just love it when I hear them say, you know what, I am not, I have an illness, but I am not my illness, and I'm mm. still going to put myself out there. I'm going to put on the dating app that I've got a chronic disease, and you know what, and they're finding that people are still messaging them and saying, hey, let's go out still, and they come in here and we process that, and I think that's great when they can find that. And I find that a lot of them, if somebody says, you know, no, sorry, they always find somebody else or they just keep going. And I think one of the things that I really like to do in my work is really validate. And I think when I validate them, that keeps them going as well. It really is a good place for support when you can be an individual psychotherapy and sex therapy and be able to talk about these things that you can't discuss with other people, you know, and I think that's pretty damn powerful. Um, So, but if you are in a partnership, you know, and you're wanting to reclaim sexuality it's communicating with your partner about what brings you pleasure, but also what hurts you during sex. Mm. It's having that conversation. <laughs> and, huh, let's see. Ellers Stainless. I don't know anything about that. What? 
<laughs> I dislocate by pointing at things. Yes, I hear you there. Yeah. But also, yeah. you know, when you're talking about doctors, I would also throw in your physical therapist. If you have a physical therapist, they might even be a better person to have a discussion with than your doctor about this kind of thing because they'll tell you what pillows to use and what positions to put the pillows in and like how to brace well, for me, brace everything. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. but just, uh, sometimes physical therapists could be even a better resource because they know how the, the joints move and how the body moves and what your muscles might need. That's a great point. I agree. I think that's wonderful. And you know, a lot of people out there that have a lot of chronic pain, they've got those physical therapists. So that's a great resource, someone to talk to about that. And if you are in a partnership, I often find that when you're in pain, it affects you and your partner. It's not just your illness. It's, it's both of your illnesses. Or, or if you're in a poly relationship, it's, it's, it's your different partner's illnesses and being able to come to a place where you can talk about that. Um, sometimes you don't want to be touched because there's fear. And I think, I think a lot of times I've heard from other partners that they're afraid mm. to touch their partner because they don't want to cause them pain. So then we start to see this withdrawing and isolating. Yeah. And so we bring that into the space too. And we talk about that too, um, which I think can be helpful. And when do you decide to touch and where do you touch and what's pleasurable? You know, sometimes my clients are like, well, I don't want to be like a teacher. And I'm like, yeah, but that can be kind of hot. <laughs> That's your own little kink there, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> you can get a little creative. I always tell partners, you know, get creative with mm. your sex and get curious about your partner. And I think that can be a great thing when two people can come together and, and talk about that and checking in with each other. You know, one of the things that I have couples do is that they will come into the space and we'll talk about when did you check in with each other? What did you discuss? What were some of the the issues that did come up where there are no issues, you know, sometimes people come in here and they talk about great things that are going on. And I think we also need to mention that some folks that have chronic illness, they don't have an issue with sex. Right? I hear that one. <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to like take a minute for the people who do, I know we're going to be, uh, next time we talk, we're going to have a really serious topic about um, sexual assault and PTSD and coming through that again with the healthy, um, with a, a more open idea of sex afterwards and how to function with that. Yay, that was a whole mouthful that I really could not get through and I have not had coffee yet. Um, so I'll <laughs> keep trying to go. Um, so we also live here in the United States where there's a lot of taboos around. As much as we put sex in every motion of our media and visuals, we have some of the most prudish, uh, very hung up ideas. How do you help people who are dealing, and I don't want to go too far into like the sexual assault and, and the PTSD, but we're going to really cover that in a week or so, but I really want to see, like, right. how do you talk to your partner if you are a person who is like, I'm really shy about this, I don't even know how to explore this, I haven't even started exploring myself yet, like, I, yes. how do you thank get you through for, that? Thank you for mentioning that. So one of the things that I always find in my work, there are always, it seems like when, it, say that a couple comes in and it's two people, there's one that's always what I call a minimizer and one that's a maximizer. We kind of call it like the tiger and the turtle. And sometimes that person that did not get sexual messages as a child, or they did not get sex education, or they may have gotten the good old sex education where you don't have sex until you're married, and all those great things. I know when I took family life in school, and when they, were t when they would tell me, you can't have sex until you're married, I wanted to go out and have a lot of sex. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad your reaction was, I want to go get married at 13, so that's good. <laughs> right. I got curious about it. And so, but we have a lot of folks that come into the session 
and they don't know what even brings them pleasure. Mm. They don't know how to talk about it. So again, one word that always comes up for me is safety. It's having a safe place where you're not going to be judged. And I think sometimes people feel that they're going to be judged by their partner if they bring something up, you know. So one of the things that I do is something called Imago Dialoguing that comes from Imago Relationship Therapy. Imago meaning image in Latin. So when we're a child, we get these images into our mindset on what life should be. So we develop these Imagos. And so the therapy states that we unconsciously pick a partner based on the negative and positive characteristics of our caretakers. And so our partners, what they do is they help or they heal us. And so when someone does not have this sexual um, education or knowledge of sexual being, the other person in the space can help them do that. And I help guide that. It's really having a conversation about it. But what I also have them do is really engage in self-pleasuring. You know, like, you know, yes, you can do it together, but like both of you on your own touch and kind of feel what's pleasurable to you. And then you have a conversation about it. Another thing that's great too is mindful touching because sometimes if they have a hard time communicating, they can just engage in some simple touching that really doesn't have to be sexual at all. It's just relaxing to them. And then if they become aroused, then great, they become aroused. So, but that's a great point to bring up because you know, not everyone that comes into sex therapy or comes into psychotherapy they don't know what, they're not fully aware of what pleases them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like, I, I know that it's like the big cultural joke I hear that boys, you know, that you, they'll go into the shower and you don't see them for two hours. But I, I don't think that if you just look at humor, you understand a lot about a culture and you'll see that there's very few female masturbation jokes because we've totally discounted the idea that anyone who owns a vagina would be touching it. Like it's, it's just amazing how little, like, I swear to you, I'm a 42 year old woman and I didn't know what the biology was at all of like any parts until I had my period and I got a tampon box at like you know, in as a teen, like how how is this possible that like you go through sex ed in, and I was in a like a really liberal hippie area. I still went through sex ed, still did not understand all the different holes, body, like what everything does. And I'm still shocked when I even look at my kids, like when they come home with their sex ed stuff from school and I'm like, oh, oh, hell no. We're going to sit down and have a whole discussion. Are you fucking kidding me? This is not even close to the education you need. I'm glad they taught you use condoms, but we now need to discuss Mm -hmm. consent. Mm -hmm. We need to discuss what's pleasurable because I think that's a huge, huge misleading that we do to our, our like growing up people is that we don't teach them what's pleasurable. They learn what's pleasurable by watching pornography. That is not how you learn how to have sex with people. That's not how you learn to do it. No, absolutely. That is a whole entertainment. And it's funny. I will have people come into session and they're like, I really want to learn how to fuck like a porn star. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, um, wait a minute, back up, back up, you know, and you're right. You know, one, there's one great resource, Monica, that I love following on Instagram and it's sex positive families. Mm. Because they talk all about that, about what consent is, what's pleasurable, 
um, and how to bring those conversations up with children and with teenagers. And I think it's critical. So I just want to say one thing real quick as a mom, because I will tell you right now, the second I tried to bring this up to my kids, they both looked at me like walking out the door, like, "Mm -mm, no, God, no, mom, please don't do that to me. And that's okay, too. And that needs to be respected. And I did absolutely respect it. But you can find some very good books that will very clearly explain everything in a sex positive way to let them be able to explore this on their own. What I'm just trying to get a point across to is that when we leave it to nothing, they find pornography and pornography tends to show that, um, very unwilling submission to sex is the way to go with that. And that's sexy and hot. And that becomes a thing that like, it's, is you, you, you know, it develop your brain develops what it yeah. finds sexual yeah. at a very young age. Yeah. Yeah, and if that's what it. kids are exposed to, that is incredibly dangerous. Mm-hmm. It is. No, I completely agree. I think that's what ends up happening is that there's not the talk about it. Mm-hmm. And yes, if your child or children or teenager does not want to discuss it, yes, we respect that boundary. But when they... When, when they My dogs are not respecting the boundaries of I am on a recording right now. My dogs have no boundaries. <laughs> Sorry about that, everyone. You're just going to have to deal with the wolf yelling at something outside. A squirrel ran across the road or we're getting murdered. I don't know which, but something exciting will happen hearing trombones and trombones and my god it's an exciting neighborhood (laughs) yeah it sounds like it no but no those things need to be talked about and it's okay to have that boundary when they don't want to but yes you're right finding pornography and learning that way that is not the way to go i do i think it's highly dangerous um for children or really just for anybody to be honest with you because of what goes on in that and i think that yeah there's definitely some like um oh God, uh, Gallup, um, Cindy Gallup, I love her. She has an entire uh, porn thing that's all done with the idea of consent, hot sexiness that has nothing to do with, like, um, yeah, enthusiastic consent. That's what I was looking for. It's all about enthusiastic consent. It's really hot and sexy, please. You're mm-hmm. interested in pornography, and you're like, I do like my pornography, thank you very much. Yeah. Awesome. She's definitely a good person to look up on the internet. She has a whole company that has great porn, um, but also that's respectful and not degrading. So if you're looking for an outlet to learn more about like pleasure, that's a good good spot to go to. If you're like, okay. I don't like watching porn, I don't like being degraded, this is a better place to go see that. I love it when we share resources. You know? <laughs> <laughs> She's, I, I used to do photo shoots, and she was one of the guests on a panel I was doing for an event, and I'm like, I love you so much. <laughs> I want to be your friend. That's amazing. That's great. So, yeah, just communicating, checking in with your partner. Um, you know, because when you check in with your partner, facing knowing that you're facing it together, it can go a long way. It goes to helping you rebuild intimacy if you feel like you've lost intimacy simply reminding each other um, that you are still drawn to each other, that we can deal with this in our own way. And I think sometimes it's nice to just validate and to share with your partner what you still find attractive about them Mm -hmm. and being able to compliment that. I think that's one thing that I really work with, with couples is that they tend to get that emotional disconnection and then they lose that. And so it's helping them rebuild that too. Sometimes couples have to be emotionally connected before they can have great sex again. You know, if there's this like rupture that's gone on, it's really hard for them to get connected sexually. And so that's one thing that we really do um, bring up in couple sex therapy when people have chronic pain, chronic illness conditions, and making more often the effort to touch each other in despite of the pain 
And I think that's crucial. If we avoid physical touch, I think we miss out on all the things that remind us of how valuable we are. And of course, that's going to depend on each couple, you know, like for an example. So if I'm doing sensate focus, which is the mindfulness of sex, where you're doing the mindful touching, if someone's got sexual trauma, Mm. that's not going to go well, especially Mm -hmm. in the beginning, because you need to be safe, right? Mm -hmm. And there are quite a few folks that have that link between, you know, chronic illness and pain and sexual trauma. And that's really critical to point out. When I did my talk in Chicago, I talked about that. It's one of the first things that I did say about mindful touching. If you're involved in a partnership with someone with sexual trauma, you're not going to jump into something like this right away. You've got to be safe. You've got to have your own communication with it. And it was just nice because there were a few people in the in the audience that treat sexual trauma. So that was good. But simple touch can ultimately help you feel more comfortable about discussing what goes on in the bedroom, too. And so it's having that dialogue with each other. Um, and then if you look at adjustment things, there are some positions may not be comfortable any longer. And you've got to change things up. And we talk about that in sex therapy with couples with chronic pain. Man, and pillows just, are your best friend, people. Pillows are awesome. Are. <laughs> <laughs> just saying, if you have like muscle or joint pain, you will very much enjoy pillows. You, you don't have to go super fancy. Just like what's on your bed already can really help. Yeah. And, you know, whether you're with a partner or not, you know, sex toys, they can be great to go to when you're in chronic pain. Not only do they make pain relieving orgasms easier to reach, but they take some serious strain off of your body. And if you're That's, not with a partner, that can be super helpful. Very much so. Like very you should not so. be having not having a sex life if you want a sex life just because there's no one else around. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, there's different, um, what I, you know, there's different, like um, there are online shops such as Come As You Are and Good Vibrations that have really good products and they, they test products for people with disabilities. Yeah, I want to and, do a huge shout out to Good Vibrations. If you're like someone who's like, you know, I don't like the whole like scary sort of aspect of sex shops, Good Vibrations it is like the most lovely, wonderful, like even their website doesn't feel intimidating. Like it's it's a good place to start. Yeah, it's, it's excellent. I always refer a lot of clients to that website. And then different like doxy massagers. I mean, different things that people can use is very well. You can plug them into the wall. Massage, they they help with strong vibrations, but they can perform the double duty. They're also great <laughs> for shoulder pain, back pain. They help with loosening your knots, mm. you know? So there's so many other things. That's what I always ask couples, you know, what's in your sexual repertoire? What are other things that you can bring out um, that so can help? I wanted to go to something real quick um, yeah. because we have a very vast listening audience. I'm sure people have very different kinds of relationships and different social norms. So when we're talking about like vibrators and massagers, there's definitely companies that make them in shapes that you would never know they weren't sculptures. Like a quick internet search. And if you have a partner who is very against your sexuality, that's a whole different discussion we can have. But if this is just the only thing you're listening to, you're like, I just need to know how to get off without offending or upsetting my partner. There are things that look like sculptures that you can use that are great vibrators. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's all kinds of things. There are uh, vibrators out there that look like animals. Mm -hmm. There's like literally sculptures. I saw one that was beautiful. I'm like, is that modern? No, that is not modern art. That is useful modern art. My goodness, that's interesting. (laughs) Wow, what will they think of next? (laughs) 
Yeah, I saw one that was like in the shape of like a dolphin. It was like really cool. Like, the <laughs> they have lots actually. of shapes, but like if you want something that's totally like no one would even guess. Like seriously, they're be- they look beautiful. They almost look like like plasticine marble, and they're in this like really pretty shape. And you'd be like, do you put rings on that? Do you put jewelry? On- is that jewelry hold? Is that just pretty? <laughs> like it really yeah, is so amalgamous yeah. that if you're like like the scariest person in your life that was the most judgmental came over and accidentally saw it or your kids saw it. Speaking of scary judgmental people in your life, um, they would never know. No, absolutely. What was great is at the sexual health conference, there were like all these vendors there and they, there was one table and they had all kinds of pleasure enhancing products, you know? <laughs> so you can get very, very creative, which is yeah. amazing. And I was telling them about my work and I was able to get their card and I can actually, um, I can put their website onto my website um, for couples that want to, like, you know, get more creative with their sex or they need to make different sexual adjustments because of pain. You could and do me so, a huge favor and do the show notes for this episode and just put a list of, like, websites for people. And yeah. I would be so grateful if yeah, I could not do absolutely. the show notes for this. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. I can I totally do so it. I would be so happy. I'm in the middle of finishing my book and I have both kids home and I um, had every joint dislocate. So please help me. That'd be so nice. Um, I you. You said something a while back, and I didn't want to gloss over it because it was such a wonderful point, and it hit, like, solar plexus, like, especially for me when you said that partners need to make the other partner, or partners, um, whatever your thing is in your world, we are super supportive, as long as it's consensual and happy, Um, but uh, making the person who's sick feel attractive. And that is one of the hardest things that, you know, I have super supportive, amazing husband who is like the best man I've ever met in my life. And like 80% of his job with me seems to be trying to make me feel pretty again, like with pills that make you gain weight and not leaving your pajamas for weeks on end. It can be really hard to like think of yourself as something other than some sort of tuberculosis patient from the Victorian era. So I guess it has its own sexy hotness. <laughs> Dickens certainly did it well, but um, just you, you'd mentioned that. And I just wanted to like underline that a bit. If there are partners who are listening or if you're thinking about how to talk to your partner, that just, that's such an important part of that is just feeling. It really is. And you know, what I find is, is when a healthy partner, um, can say that to their partner who is ill or in pain, it really does go a long way. I find that it can also really motivate them to have great sexual intimacy too, when those things can be brought up. You know, it really does come down to the relationship in terms of communication and and how to bring it up. And one thing that I help couples do, they may have a hard time doing it at home. So when they come in here, we do it. And then mm. I give them some homework to do it at home. Well, give me some ideas. What are what's some of the homework you have come, people do? Well, I have them. What I'll do is I'll put those in the show notes, too. Um, oh, yeah, there are these sentence stems that you can use. Like, I want to talk about this. I feel this way. I love it when you do this. There's like different things that you can just start out with with a conversation and then it can go into a nice dialogue with each other. I do that all the time in here. And then I just stop and I pause and I just ask what each other's feeling as the other person is saying it. Mm -hmm. And so it gives them that comfort and then they go home and they try it. Now, there are times where they go home and try it and they're like, yeah, Dr. Phillips, it like went out the window. (laughs) It did not go well. And so they come back in and then we just review it together and then we go back out and I have them try it again and they keep practicing it. And then, you know, because I think a big part of it, if you're doing couple psychotherapy or even individual psychotherapy, if you can, it does take quite a bit of work outside of the session. And, you know, um, 
I think in the beginning, some people struggle with that. So just sentence stems are great. And what I'll do is I will include those because one thing that really does help couples is something that I use called mirroring, where when you, once the sender and one is the receiver, and so when you send a message, your partner just mirrors it back or they paraphrase what you say. The reason why I do that is because it helps them be less reactive and you have to be listening because you have to mirror it back. And then you've got this presence with each other, which really does help. And then, of course, after you both mirror each other, you validate. And when I say validation, you don't have to agree with your partner. That's not what validation is. It's just it's just acknowledging their feelings. I need to underline I, that one more time. Validation is not agreeing. It is saying that you have a valid point I've heard. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful yeah. right there. That that would save yeah. so many relationships, <laughs> so many parent children relationships. May I tell you, it's like half of like talking to any person you care about that you want to keep in your life. That's a underline that one. Say that as a mantra. Absolutely, absolutely. I, we talk about that all the time in here, and you know, I don't think a lot of people they understand it until they come in here, and I'm like, you know, you don't have to agree. It's just acknowledging their feelings. So oh my God, you example, just solved all of our political problems here in the United States with that. We don't have to, as long as you're not validating someone else's existence, we don't have to agree, but we do need to at least be able to have a, a dialogue where we do not completely discount the other person. Exactly. Exactly. Wow, look at you. You're all, and you're even in the right place for it. Yes. <laughs> and people don't do it enough. They don't do it enough and they don't know how to do it. And so in psychotherapy, we can teach. There you People go. Had it I that. mean, you, you so, can solve everything being in Washington, D.C. Just start getting all the politicians in. I know. You know I live right around the corner from the White House. I just You're need hurting to get, me. <laughs> just I, just, I can't even hold that in my chest right now. Never mind. Sorry. We're, we're running away from that topic. Run away. Run away. Yeah, we're not going to go to the White House today. <laughs> we're, not, we're talking about sex toys. Um <laughs> I, I'm not even touching that. I want everyone who knows me to be so proud of me that I did not pick that low hanging fruit. I'm turning around and walking away from that. Exactly. Leave me alone. Yeah. That's so self-control, everyone, right there. Then after um, validating, you just empathize. You know, it makes sense mm. to me that you feel that way because... Okay, quick stop. Define empathize because it's a very important word and I don't think enough people understand what it means. I think with empathizing, okay, validation, it's agreeing with your partner I mean, it's not agreeing with your partner. It's it's just it's just validating what they're saying. But empathy, it is validating the feeling that the other partner is having. Mm -hmm. So okay, so you're angry. Well, that makes sense to me that you're angry because I don't know. I forgot to take out the trash yesterday. It's just it's it's an acknowledgement, but you're also acknowledging the feeling that the other person has, and I think that's critical. And couples again. They have a hard time doing that. And I find it especially with couples where there is chronic illness or pain, because what happens with chronic illness? It really does consume you. And then when it does consume you, we find that it causes other problems in relationships. And so it's getting reconnected again and being able to talk about, um, you know, those difficult subjects when it comes to pain or when it comes to the relationship and what's happened. So that's what I do. And I find that it really does help couples get to a place where it creates more intimacy. And, you know, intimacy meaning it's different from sexual intimacy, but having high regard for each other, being there for mm. each other, having each other's back, supporting each other. If you have that foundation, then you're going to have this foundation for sexual intimacy. 
And that's what I help couples do in my room or my office. And I find that that really helps. Also, just real quick, another great sex toy company before I forget is Hot Octopus. Wow. They're amazing. Good name. They, they make toys for, for men. I, I, the mind reels. I just yes. want a hot Cthulhu one. I, I just, my nerdy heart needs a hot Cthulhu sex toy company, but we'll just leave that where it is. So they, um, there's this other podcast called Shameless Sex that I get on sometimes. And one of the, um, one of the hosts, she runs Hot Octopus. That's her company. And so they have a guy braider. It's like a masturbation sleeve that you can actually stick the penis into where you don't have to use your hands. So if you have like problems with mobility or your hands, like wow. especially when I have male clients with RA, they can actually use this toy or this um, device to help them with pleasure. And it's, it's great. It's great. I recommend it all the time for men. So I just wanted to share that because, you know, I don't want to leave the fellas out or people who identify as male. No, thank you so much for our people who, who own a penis. That's, that's how I've been told to phrase this. It's people who own a yep. vagina, people who own a penis, whatever your other qualifiers are. We're just talking about biology with this part of this. We're but talking yeah, about thank you biology. for bringing that up. Yeah, we're talking about biology. You know, we don't want to use a bunch of binary language. But for folks that yeah. have a penis and for folks that have a vulva, you know, this is for everyone. Um, and so, yeah, we always want to make sure that we... We talk about that too. So no, thank you for that because I get very in my head and I honestly don't understand a lot of like the the workings of the male body and that's such an important point. If you have RA or if you have a spinal issue or hell, if you have Eller Stainless and you're a guy, uh, like anything or uh, I'm sorry, not a guy, but um, someone who owns a penis, um, this is all you know really good information to be able to still be able to have that sex life with or without partners. Mm hmm. Yeah, because, you know, again, you know, yeah, my book is for couples, but it's also going to be for people who are who are single, who want to be in a relationship. And I see a lot of single people who have chronic pain and who have disabilities and they want to have pleasure. I think we have to look at the myths that continue to happen with people with pain and illness that, yes, OK, because you're disabled or you have a chronic illness that you're not sexual. And so many people are. And so that's why they come in. They talk to me so they can reclaim that so it's it's really great to be able to to help people with that well, so. and not to say that we're trying to like even force someone to want this like if you're asexual cheers whatever no worries but if this yeah. is something that you want like the goal would be that you would eventually like at least for like my goals my personal goals with all of this is that i view that time as something that is the one time where my body is not betraying me not breaking apart it's the one time where my body actually gets to experience something good and that's a very rare thing in a body that is constantly falling apart so it's that was a goal that that you know my healthcare professionals i had set out with and that's that's been what i think that's yeah. a beautiful goal i think that's i think that's amazing to be able to to know that and i think that's one of the things that i help people with is just yeah despite having a chronic illness or having chronic pain triggered by illness you can still have a sex life and have pleasure and yes you're right your body is not the train you at that time you know the funny thing is it's been days days since we've had barking fits like i can't even imagine what's going on out there but i'm guessing alien invasion probably yeah yeah 
you know, serial killers. I mean, I mean, we've been watching Stranger Things too, so I'm guessing any number of things could be out that door right now. Oh, so you've been watching things, and oh, yeah, oh, teenager brought like Stranger Things to our door, and was like, "You guys need to watch this." And now my husband and I, and like the whole family, are like obsessed. We watched like the whole season in a few days. It's our big family bonding thing, which probably says a lot of scary things about my family, but it's been bonding. Yeah, good. Hey, bonding is great. That's <laughs> so we're wonderful. almost at the end of the time. Is there anything else you really want to like make sure we cover while my dog is having a coronary fit? Well, if folks want to follow me, you can on Instagram at Dr. Lee Phillips and on Facebook at Dr. Lee Phillips. And then also you can also go to my website, www.drleephillips.com. I tend to blog quite a bit about sex and chronic illness and... Yes, I look forward to being back again, and I always enjoy coming on here and, and talking to you. It's been great. Oh, thank you. I I really love. We try to do this monthly, but we both have very busy lives, yeah. so we do try very hard. Um, you can always find us at Invisible Not Broken or on Twitter, Invisible Not B R K. So it's fun not having that one available. Um, go to our YouTube channel if you want to see what we look like. We're super fun. Um, <laughs> go ahead and see if. If YouTube keeps this up, I would doubt it. I've gotten slapped on the wrist more times than I can count from YouTube for um, language and sexual content, which I find hilarious since, yeah, oh well, we'll leave that oh, one well. alone for another day. Um, yeah, please head to the website at the very least because we will have all of these linked because Dr. Phil will be very kind to me and do my show notes for this. So it'll be much better than my usual show notes. And if you go to the website, you'll find um, Dr. Phillips, all of what Dr. Phillips just said about um, how to find Dr. Phillips on social media. There will be a button right at the very top. You can click it to find Instagram, Twitter, all of it right there. So please head over to InvisibleNotBroken.com. And uh, I think that's about it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, our international audience has been staggering and humbling to me, so I can't even tell you how much I appreciate all of you listening. Um, I can't believe that we are now at about between ten and 11,000 downloads a month, depending on who's being interviewed, apparently. Um, oddly, our sex interview stuff usually raises us up to that 11,000 number. Go figure. Uh, but we don't advertise at all. Um, zero advertising here on the show. So that's all because you guys are nice enough to share us. So thank you so very, very much for sharing us. Um, we have had a few interesting reviews on Apple iTunes. Seriously, no worries. I love getting reviews, even if they're constructive criticism. But I don't want you guys to not listen because you find my voice annoying. And uh, we give a lot of really good information. <laughs> and if you're like, oh my God, can't deal with you, um, no worries. I can't change now. I'm too old. But um, there are a lot of other really great chronic illness podcasts. I can't recommend enough. This is not what I ordered. Lauren is a friend of mine. She has a voice like butter. She does not swear. Um, so if that is more your speed please don't just give up on podcasts with chronic illness i have other recommendations you can even email me and i will very nicely email you back anything as long as you're polite to me all right um thanks everyone have a great week be kind be gentle and for everything be a fucking badass